Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by Ryan Donnelly. Um, that we are delivering an episode at all this week is a minor miracle because I am in the process of a, a cross-country move, and this is the week that I am doing it. Um, and so this one's going to be a little bit shorter. Uh, you guys are just going to have to get what you get, and we, we will move forward and be back with our, our usual long-in-the-tooth episodes here coming soon. But um, we're previewing and, the... And to clarify, he is moving to Alcatraz Island, where he's yeah. being imprisoned by the San Francisco tech community <laughs> for his role in the downfall of cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, Patrick is known as one of the whales who was shorting crypto this week. Yeah. Um, and if you or a listener happen to lose tens of thousands of dollars on that, uh, that's why Patrick's going to jail. So you can you can rest easy tonight. If you listen to this podcast and you have lost money on cryptocurrency, we there is <laughs> there is something seriously wrong with with uh, really everything that you've got going on. What what did, did we not teach you well enough? Did you not listen to the show well enough? It's it's that's what every podcast episode is about. That's all we've ever talked about is how you shouldn't buy <laughs> cryptocurrency. Yeah, episode six when we were critiquing the underlying technology on the block chain I mean, yeah. from ripple is was one of our biggest episodes it really yeah. went viral in that community yeah and that's on you if you weren't listening to that early yeah our three-parter on elon musk uh, was really really big and people really liked it <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah so we're, we're going to talk independence this week we're going to talk about the uh the seven independent teams and preview them as best we can we're going to um admittedly three of them sort of breeze by because <laughs> UConn, UMass, and New Mexico State, as much love as I have for them, um, do not offer a ton of intrigue. And we also, not that long ago, did a full actual UConn-specific episode. Uh, so if you <laughs> need to know about the, the structure of UConn, you can go back and listen to that. But I can't imagine that a ton of people are super interested in what Jim Mora's got cooking this year. Um, and so we're, we're going to breeze through them. But I, I think Liberty, Army, BYU, and Notre Dame are all specifically interesting um, and then uh, next week we'll be back with uh, with something pretty cool. I don't know if we, Ryan, do you want to tell people what we're going to be doing next week or do we want to keep that under wraps? Yeah, sure. It's not like it's that original of an idea. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to do we're going to do quarterback tiers next week, yeah. um, which means we'll be making we'll be calling several quarterbacks up on the program. We're going to make them cry. Yeah, uh, we're going to tell them yeah. why they're bad at football. They will be another. Um, yeah, no, we're going to be ranking the top quarterbacks in college football. I think the list might get pretty extensive. There's just a lot of names. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting names in college football. They're really going to shape the season. Um, unfortunately, we hate to see this, but usually the way a quarterback goes, the way a team season goes. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of guys I'm curious about across the country. So it's going to be fun to talk about this. And I think we're pretty excited for it. Yeah. The, the QB tears episode is just going to be 50 minutes of, of raw audio of CJ Stroud talking about how he's not making excuses, but every player on Ohio state <laughs> had the flu all season. And that's why they weren't very good. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's exciting. We're all excited to hear that audio and we're really glad that they keep uh, doing that seemingly every time <laughs> they talk to the media for the last seven months. Um, Ryan, let's uh, let's let's talk UConn here. Let's talk UConn, UMass, and New Mexico State, all of which are in sort of the same boat here. Um, when I wrote out the uh, the previews for these three, I was it's kind of hard to find a different thing to say about them because all three have just hired a new coach. All three have just hired a um, I would say a, a retread. Uh, Don Brown has not been a, a an FBS head coach before, but he was literally the head coach of UMass before. Um, New Mexico State hired Jerry Kill and UConn hired Jim Mora. They all seem to have kind of a similar idea about what they're hoping for this hire to accomplish, and they have all run into very similar problems in recent years as they have either 
become independent or continued independence uh yukon's independence is a little bit more recent new mexico states is a little bit more recent umass has been independent since 2015 i think 2015 or 2016 um Mm. but they're they're all sort of in the same boat and it's a it's a bad boat it's a very very bad boat it is not it's not a good place to be um and, and the the question here and i'll get into the specifics of these teams a little bit but i think that the question here for all three of these programs is that there is there any world at all in which any of these hires work and if so which is the one that's most likely to work because it just like yukon hasn't been good since its time in the big east which would have been 12 years ago at this point um since the end of the the first randy edsel era i mean he he left in 2010 it's been a really long time umass has not ever been good at the fbs level it was it was a pretty good fcs school back when don brown was there and and, and back when um when mark whipple was there the first time but it hasn't really been able to find anything of of serious substance since and new mexico state just fired the coach who took it to its first bowl game in 58 years i believe 58 or 56 in honestly we love when that happens yeah in in doug martin and i i think it was kind of justified in doing so just because it it, he ran out of gas and these are just new mexico state is in pretty much impossible recruiting territory and umass and yukon are not a whole lot better um none of the northeastern schools are recruiting especially well right now even in the 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 limited northeast uh recruiting territory and it just it feels like this is hopeless in all three spots are any of these three hires do they move you at all no and i mean these are kind of the teams you're asking yourself like huh they're still in the fbs huh i forgot about that like oh wait there are two teams in new mexico uh like those are the kind of like oh man they still have a lot of teams up in new england why is that yeah. Uh, like those are the kind of questions you ask with these programs. I know we have some UMass listeners and UConn listeners, so sorry guys, but like, I think they. Know. What what's the point of? Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess I guess the only argument is like they're already losing recruits to the Ivy League. If they drop down to the FCS, they would lose all of them to them, right? <laughs> sure. Like, who they wouldn't land anybody. Yeah, I guess. they're also already I, I losing. Like, yeah, they're already losing games to the Ivy League too, which is fun. Right. They're yeah. they're kind of just stuck here. I, it's kind of hard to say there's anything else that makes sense for that. I don't know. Like these are just very dismal. I'm sorry. I really don't think there's a lot to say about these programs because like they're incredibly dismal. I don't really see a path forward. Um, I don't know. Maybe if we reformed uh, the big East and we had some kind of relegation clause where there was like a junior big East as well. And UConn, you mask you really well in the junior big East. Uh, that could maybe be a path forward for them. Yeah. Mexico State, uh, no, may God, may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's Dude, nothing yeah. going on there. New Mexico State, it, it is since they, they had a uh, they had a decent coach whose name escapes me in the either the 50s or 60s. I, I wrote about him in my preview. Um, yeah. And he. And that's funny because I'm always memorizing the uh, 50s and 60s coaches in New Mexico State. It's pretty embarrassing. You forgot that. <laughs> I need to. I need to know now. I'm curious. Um, but they they had a uh, they had a, a pretty decent coach. He had a winning record. He's the one who took him to that last bowl game. Um, what is this fool's name? Uh, Warren Woodson. That's the coach I was thinking of. Um, yeah, they went 11 and 0 in 1960. They they went to the Sun Bowl back to back years. He had a winning record. Uh, since then. Their 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 program record is like two thirty two. It 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 is it is they are a bad hitter. They are they are like they are a center shooting threes. It's really really awful. It is consistently awful. There has not been a single break of you know 
oh well this coach was kind of decent it has been awful across the board like the the one of the best coaches of the modern era here is Jim Bradley who went five and six five and six five and six four six and one and four and seven that's about the best that you're gonna do um it's really really bad it's it's uh you know Doug Martin going seven and six in 2017 going to the Arizona Bowl was the best season that the program has had since 1960 bar none there's not another one that's even really all that close and it that that is it's important to note because that was in the Sun Belt. They're not in the Sun Belt anymore. They're independent, and that's the problem. No, they that, got kicked at the club. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, come on, like yeah. terrible timing to leave the Sun Belt. Also, yeah, really, really bad. That that was the the Sun Belt kicked them and uh, I want to say and Idaho out. Um, and I mean, I guess a good call for the Sun Belt because I don't know what those programs really do for you. And um, frankly, Texas State should probably be next on that front. I don't really know why they. <laughs> Are in the league to begin with, um, but it's uh, it, 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 this was already an extremely hard job, and it only is going to get harder by being independent. Like it, it's so hard to be independent if you are not, um, uh, frankly, religiously affiliated, right? Or uh, you know, a service academy, which is essentially a religion in its own right. You have to have so much funding coming from these these unique places that a lot of programs aren't going to get it, and nobody's funding New Mexico State like that or UConn or UMass. There's there's not that kind of money in these athletic departments. And on top of that, unlike the other four independents in, in you know, Liberty, which is in, um, oh gosh, what is it, Virginia? Yeah, Lynchburg, Virginia. Army, which is in New York, um, but has the specific <laughs> unique quality of being Army. Um, BYU, which is in Utah, and then Notre Dame, which is sort of a national brand in its own right, as is BYU. These three schools, on top of being independent and not having any money, are also in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing there. There is no play. There are no players. Like I, I, I one of the the northeastern school previews I wrote. Um, I pulled a little bit of recruiting data from the 2022 class, the most recent class. Um, mm-hmm. There were there were 36 uh, top 2,000 players in what I consider to be northeastern states. Um, okay. Know, the, the, the top two thousand is always a good yeah yeah top, top two thousand basically FBS caliber players. So there were thirty six <laughs> in like the true northeast like Maine, Massachusetts, you you know Connecticut places like that. I'm not counting like you know Maryland or, or you know places. Are you counting like New York or Pennsylvania? I I counted New York. I did not count New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Um, well, that's I mean that's kind of important, right? <laughs> I guess I don't think that these schools are going into those states. Um, but the the point was well, that's, that, that's that's a them problem. Sorry, yeah, keep going. Sure. Keep going. But the point was that in it within these these northeastern states, the truly northeastern, you know, where these schools are, UConn and, and UMass are in these areas. Boston College is up in this area. Syracuse is in this area. Buffalo, um, Army, but again, different, different case entirely. Uh, 36 top 2000 recruits, 15 of them went to Northeastern schools. That's horrible. That's so bad that there are like seven Northeastern schools that combined to land 15 of the 36 FBS caliber players in their own region. It's horrible. Tough. That is tough. Yeah. It's you, like, you can't be doing that. No. I mean, like you already, your margins are so thin and just suck that much ass makes it impossible. It can't be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, like Boston college had like four UConn had three or something like that. UMass had two or one and you've got, you've got like, it, it was like Pitt or, or somebody like Pitt coming in and has like six players from that region. It's like, this is just not going to work. You cannot be, you cannot be losing that many players. There are not that many players to to begin with. It is, 
you know, if you're UMass, if you're if you're UConn, you have to go to like Florida to just get the correct number of players, and that's just not gonna work. What do you? What could you possibly sell to to Florida recruits other than we are an FBS school? Like that's no one. None of the other ones have offered you. We are an FBS school. You know, there there's a uh, there there was a kid in this last UConn class, a quarterback who I, I'm actually fairly interested in. I think he I think he might be a pretty good player, but um, let me let me get the exact name. Um, but but he, if I'm remembering correctly, he's like five foot seven. <laughs> five foot eight and so he amazing yeah, he kind of fell through the cracks for obvious reasons because he's like five foot eight um but it, it's that's the kind of thing that you have to do if you're these schools because who else are you possibly going to get from from those states if it's not if you don't have the the regional sell of you could be close to home what are you going to sell it, it you know well you can come play I, I guess the question is, like, is the problem for these guys just that like the the region has become too affluent like they're just the kids aren't playing football anymore is that's that seems to be the issue right there's just like even the guys they're like they could be landing there's just not enough like i don't know they so obviously they suck first of all yes you have to land those kids that's very obvious but like you need more of them to land. And is that just a problem of like kids are playing hockey and lacrosse now? Or like what's, what's the situation we're dealing with here? Yeah. I, I don't really, I'm not really sure like where I, I wonder if there were just never was all that much talent in this area. Right. Cause it's not, well, sure. Yeah, but it, of course it, it was never like, you know, it was never Florida or Georgia or something, but like there were at least players, right? Like there are guys. You, 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 yeah, you would think, and and it's just those guys are those who do exist. There were two four stars in the entire region. Um, one of them went to Notre Dame, and I don't remember where the other one went. It was not a uh, it was not a northeastern school. Um, and it's just it can't happen. <laughs> you can't you can't yeah. have that happen. And this is a Boston College problem and a Syracuse problem just as much as it is a UConn and UMass problem. It's just more severe at UConn and UMass because they don't have a conference affiliation. Um, Zion Turner is the guy I was thinking of, quarterback from. Uh, oh sure, he was from St. Thomas yeah. Aquinas, interestingly enough. But he's listed as six foot one on twenty four seven. That is maybe the most generous listing of all time. And there are there are some generous listing on this website. Um, you can. What just, were you listed at on there? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> there, there, you can just. So there are some guys on twenty four seven who you can tell just from their picture that they're not six foot one, and he is one of them. He looks <laughs> like just from like the the upper part of his of his uh, torso and up, he looks like he's about five foot four. This he he looks skinny like, ass neck, yeah. just no no fat or muscle <laughs> beneath the armpit, just nothing there poking out the sides. Yeah. There's no lat development. Uh, he looks like the, he looks like the video of Lil Uzi Vert where he's playing football. Like that's what this guy looks like, <laughs> and that's that's the kind of player if you're going into Florida that UConn can get. They they had four Florida commitments in this last class, which is as many as they had from Connecticut. It's not going to work. You can't do that. Um, well, and as a matter of fact, too, Lil Uzi is from Philadelphia. Maybe a guy they should have considered recruiting. Yeah, like, they got, how, how different does the Connecticut program look right now if they had landed Lil Uzi? Back <laughs> at, you know, that's graduating class of 2016. That's the path forward is that you just start getting all of the rappers who played football in high school, right? Like they've got Quavo right. back there. They've got, you know, <laughs> they're young thug played, yeah, fo- played football. Yeah, yeah, they're making a brand off of these guys playing there and then rapping about it down the road, you know. <laughs> it's a path. It's a path. Wasn't there a period where, who was it, USC got like, like a big uh, donation from Dr. Dre or something for their like music program. And they were trying to tout that recruiting. That sounds Which right. lasted that, for all of like one month. And that, I was like, okay, well, who cares? We're not going to school for music. <laughs> that sounds like, that does sound like something that USC would do. It's, it's uh, Try, right up. Tr- <laughs> trying to pitch to kids like born in the year 2003, like, Hey, Dr. Dre might be around campus. Like, <laughs> 
we we do not fucking care. <laughs> it's, the guy it's, that makes beats. Wow, yeah. <laughs> like huh. the headphone? Yeah, like the like the, the Oh yeah, I remember those headphones from when I was a kid, eight years ago. Like <laughs> that's, that's so funny, man. That's that's like uh what was the school where uh where where uh Diddy attacked one of the strength coaches with a chair? Was that UCLA? Oh, was it like Nevada or UNLV or I think it was UCLA. It was UCLA? Yeah, I think it was UCLA. It'd be very funny UCLA all frustrated after that and speaking of Jim Mora, but UCLA all frustrated after that because they can't sell that that Diddy supports their school. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, this was also, our top it's so great pitch. that Jim Mora had to issue a public, speaking of UConn, had to issue a public denial about the fact that he uh, uh, he told Najee Harris that uh, <laughs> uh, he knew who killed Tupac or something. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Thanks to friend of the show, Rob Cassie, who tweeted out the, yeah. the interview that he did with Najee That's Harris awesome. when he was in high school. Yeah. I, I mean, Jim Moore is absolutely lying here. He is lying. 100% he is lying. He he absolutely told Najee Harris that and, and has either forgotten about it or is ashamed to admit it. But, um, yeah, that that's basically the gist of these programs and, and where they're at is that you can't get any talent yeah. here. And I, I think that – and we talked about this before. I talked about this with Luke when we did the UConn show um, – why not just run the option <laughs> if you're those schools? What do you have to lose? It's it's not like what you're gonna do without the option is going to work. It's just gonna you're trying to do the same thing that every other school is doing, except you are disadvantaged in a way that none of the other schools in college football are. Why would you be able to do it any better than they could? Why would you not be the worst at it if you're doing the same thing that they right? <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's funny too because I'm about UConn here, but UMass is just the worst version of UConn too, which is yeah. even more depressing. It's it's a UConn without any FBS history at all, which is um, challenging because UConn does have like we went to the, the the big bowl game that one time when we got <laughs> stomped into the dirt, but we did go, you know, or like the Big East is is still kind of who who well, who is the running back they had? Oh uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, he played for the Chargers. Uh yeah, UConn play. I'm just googling the class of UConn players in the NFL draft. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's gonna be a huge group. He was good. He uh, uh, yeah, he was he was a classic fantasy football guy. Um, you you could get like pretty late round, and he was fine. Um, uh, Jordan Todman. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's him. Uh, they also had. I think the more famous one is uh, who played for the Colts. They had is Donald Brown, mm. who is famous for being the reason Peyton Manning had that clip before you could hear him on national TV saying, God damn it, Donald, <laughs> uh, when he fell down on a screen pass. Um, oh, man. <laughs> UConn football is, is pure pure greatness in all levels. But, um, yeah, I, I think if any of these hires is likely to work, it's honestly probably Don Brown is the best coach of the bunch. He's the only non-outright shitty coach of the bunch, which is – a small a small barrier but a barrier all the same that the other two have not passed over like jerry kill was not especially good at minnesota and jim mora is uh bad he's outright bad don brown at least does something unique the other two don't like don brown just blitzes on every play and it it doesn't work very often but sometimes it does some of those michigan defenses were pretty good before the last week of the regular season um and so he at least has something unique that he's trying to do other than you know, like Jim Mora is trying to turn UConn into a pro factory, which is not going to work because you have to produce pros. To it's do not going to happen. Um, yeah. And Jerry Kill just seems pretty happy to be working in college football again and doesn't doesn't really have any plans beyond that. Uh, so I guess I guess Don Brown just by default. 
I'm going to say something that is insane, but nonetheless, nonetheless true. Yeah. If UConn hired alum and former starting quarterback Dan Orlovsky as their head coach, they would have a more clear direction and path forward than any other program this through in this group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 listen, a path for, a path doesn't have to be positive. It just has to be a path. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like, there are worse things you could bet on. Like, hey, instead of having like, you know, like. Maybe we'll have the 70th best quarterback in the FBS, and like that might be good enough. Yeah. You know, like I don't know. <laughs> we could have we we could have this. We could have the the 70th best quarterback, but the guy who coached him is extremely obnoxious about it online all of the time. Well, yeah, of course, of course, we hate Dan Orlovsky, but like, couldn't he just be like a knockoff Hugh Freeze? No. <laughs> I mean, you don't think there's any like, path for him to do like, that? Culturally, I yes, possible. but I don't know. I don't think as a football coach, I think he just would sort of do the same, you know, manner. But, but as we've discussed, football coaching doesn't really matter. Like, no one is <laughs> like, coaching really is not important. It's like play calling matters. I believe in that, but like yeah. actual player development, like most of them aren't doing that regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, I guess. I mean, at that point, why. <laughs> I don't know. Just fold the program. If you're, if it's coming down to, we gotta hire Dan Orlovsky to save the program. Like, man, just stop playing. Just stop playing football. It's fine. You don't have to play football. Just don't do uh, it. Also, quick fun fact here about UConn football. Yeah. <laughs> just on this, uh, the first two players in program history that were ever drafted the NFL, uh, both named Walt. Huh. Uh, we had Walt Trojanowski and Walt Droppo, hmm. who is followed up by his brother. Uh, a year later, Milt Droppo. So Walt and Milt Come on. Oh, there's a there's a direct correlation between the decrease in guys named Walt and the, the decline of UConn and UMass football. Um, as yeah. soon as they stopped naming people Walt, that's that was the end for these uh these programs. We need to bring Walt back to to, to put these these programs back on top. Did you know since 2015? Sorry, one more fun fact yeah. here. Since 2015, UConn has had four players uh, drafted in the first uh, three rounds of the NFL draft. Yeah, they keep producing those guys who are like six foot four and can long jump 800 feet, um, <laughs> and they can't play football even a little bit. But they keep sending these guys out. Like every other year, they have a safety who's extremely good or something. Um, it was it was it was what Travis Jones, the lineman in this class. Iron Joe. Uh, oh, in this past class, uh, yeah, they had Travis Jones in the third round to the uh baltimore ravens yeah um uh and you know he's six foot four 333 pounds uh had a vertical of uh, 28 five and sure. a broad jump of uh nine foot two um and then they had uh of course byron jones is the first round pick that sure. everyone knows uh who has been good he made it all pro yeah uh so i guess Good for him. They got that going for him. Yeah, and then there was the safety who was uh he like lit up the combine and has not done a single thing in the NFL. Um Oh, uh Obi. Yeah. yeah Obi. Uh, uh Obi I'm looking it up now. <laughs> Melofonwu. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Obi Melofonwu. They just uh just build the whole team out of him. That's that's Jim Moore's plan basically is that we're just going to get 85 extremely freakish athletes cuz that can that can be done. It can work. Yeah, it that's can work. that's much more realistic than going out and just recruiting option linemen and quarterbacks oh, who are not being recruited. Also, oh, oh, this is grim. Uh, Ob was just recently drafted in the 18th round of the USFL draft. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! My man went after Marcus Ball. Oh, no, <laughs> that's not good. Oh, yeah, man. Should, we, should we go on to the next set of teams? Yeah, should we yeah, get off of this topic? Yeah, this is very grim. Speaking of, uh, uh, we're going to move from UConn's uh, version of, of Hugh Freeze and Dan Orlovsky to the actual Hugh Freeze over at Liberty. Um, 
somehow he's still here, <laughs> Ryan. I didn't think he was going to be here this long. It, it's uh, it doesn't seem like he really thought that either. I don't I don't imagine. Um, I can't I can't assume he's super pleased about still being here, but it doesn't seem like any of the SEC schools that we were kind of expecting would immediately go back to him have done so yet. Um, maybe he has turned some down, but he's been here three years. He's gone eight and five, ten and one, and eight and five. I I don't think that this past season was what he needed it to be. I, I you know, you have the uh, the the, the big-time quarterback prospect, eyes kind of on you after going 10-1, and one, after finishing pretty well in the AP poll in 2020, and they go 8-5. and five. It's uh, it's not what they were looking for, I don't imagine, but he's still here. Uh, they, they've got what should be a, another pretty good team, even without Malik Willis. I think that um, it's, you know, the next bad quarterback that Freeze produces is going to be the first. I don't imagine that anybody who replaces Willis will be quite as good as him, but I also don't think that there's really any chance that they will not be at least decent because of his offense. Um, I'm guessing that Caden Salter is probably going to be the guy who gets that pick. Uh, Former Tennessee guy, was a four-star back in 2021, got kicked out of school at Tennessee, and now he's here. Um, Supremely talented, very, very good athlete. Uh, Probably going to run the 2020 playbook with him instead of the 2021 one, which is fine, but... They have all sorts of returning production at wide receiver. They bring in Day-Day Hunter from Hawaii at uh, running back. Defense was fine last year. Defense was actually the better of the two things, but uh, they do have a, funny. Yeah, yeah, they do have a new coordinator to break in after the last one went to SMU, I want to say. Um, and they've got a couple vacancies that they need to fill. They have to find a new number one cornerback, a new rover, two new linebackers and uh, some new defensive tackles. But other than that, I think they're probably going to be pretty good again. Um, lots of talent on offense, lots of depth on defense. They, they've built a pretty good roster. They hit the portal really hard. Um, I, I would expect that they will be fine to good again. I think that the this this looks a lot like a 9-3 and three team to me, and, and that's I don't again. I don't think that that's necessarily what they expected when they hired Freeze, and I don't think that that's necessarily what he expected either. This this felt like sort of the 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 you know Lane Kiffin at FAU model, but it hasn't really worked like that way quite yet. Yeah. Also, interesting. Their betting line for win totals at seven and a half. Hmm. Um, Let me look at the. I, I haven't. I don't actually remember the schedule off the top of my head, which I did. Yeah, I'm pulling up now. Yeah, as many well. many will be surprised by. People like I think when we just people like when we just look at the schedule like oh, oh yeah win loss win loss yeah. people love that. Well, last we that see last stuff. year they might have actually loved that because I knew I know that a couple people uh, took seriously our advice on. on oh no, I'm being and, serious. People yeah, actually like that. Yeah, people do like that. But last year, if you if you had bet on all of our our win total over unders, I think you would have won a pretty decent amount of money because we hit on like 13 of the 15 or whatever it was. Um, yeah. People don't realize. Well, I can't this, believe they're. T- uh, go ahead. Sorry. People, yeah, people don't realize this, but um, win to- win totals, especially at the G five level, if you're not a complete moron, are free money. It is <laughs> extremely yeah, easy to make money. It's on very this easy shit. to win. The problem is just like, do you feel like having your money tied up for sure. four months? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have here. And at- you could be putting it in crypto. Or yeah, sure. NFT or, yeah, you could or be. Apes. Yeah, instead of. Uh, yeah, if you don't want your money to be tied up for super long, you could just give it away. It's that's <laughs> much better. Um, yeah, so they they go to Southern Miss to open the season. Um, that's a win. UAB at home is tricky. That's that's one of those hinge games at Wake Forest. Probably a loss. Akron at home probably a win. Um, so we're looking at what two and two. You want to say? I think UAB is going to be pretty good. So I, I could see them. Yeah, I do Although, think UAB will win that game. That is, it's, I, I, uh... it's at home, so I, I, I could see them. I could see Liberty winning that game. So we'll 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 give them two and two with a hinge game. Um, at Old Dominion, at UMass, Gardner Webb, all our wins. 
So maybe what is that five and five and two? Uh, BYU at mm-hmm. home. I don't expect they're going to win five and three. Um, at Arkansas, they'll beat their ass. Yeah, they will lose to Arkansas as well. <laughs> yeah, at Arkansas, probably five and four, and then UConn, Virginia Tech, New Mexico State to finish the season. So even if they lose to um, both, but UA, if they lose to UAB. Um, they would still go, I think, eight and four. Uh, so that you're, you're saying Virginia Tech's a guaranteed win? I don't yeah. know. That's like a, I, I, I yeah, think man. they're probably going to be favoring that game by a field goal or something. But I don't think that's like a layup win. No, I don't think it's a layup, but I do think that they're getting a, a brand new Virginia Tech coaching staff at home um, at the end of the season. Probably a benefit for Virginia Tech, though. Probably a benefit for the Hokies. Maybe. I mean, at, the, at this point in the season, it's going to be November 19th. They'll be 3-7. and seven. So I, I think that there's probably going to be <laughs> sort of beaten out of them at that point. I mean, who the fuck is playing quarterback for these guys? It's uh, it's Grant Wells, yeah. isn't it? It's it's the Marshall transfer. Oh. Man. Very bleak. Um, <laughs> That's not what you want. No. And I get, well, <laughs> the guy who got bullied out of I Marshall. you got to give this, though, for Virginia Tech. They'll probably be coming into uh, Liberty, which is so funny that game's on the road. They, they still have that scheduled on the road. It's great. Um, but very fun. I guess they'll be coming off a two-game winning streak from playing Georgia Tech at home and then at Duke. Yeah. Uh, so Virginia Tech's going to be feeling hot going into Lynchburg. Yeah, looking ahead to the uh, the big Virginia game, the battle of two teams that hired really shitty coaches, <laughs> really weird shitty coaches for no good reason. He, <laughs> here's the only argument I can make. Here's Virginia Tech's motivation for this game. Yeah. Uh, they'll have already won games against uh, Old Dominion and Wofford, uh, and then they have two in a row against Georgia Tech, Duke. So they'll have four wins going to Liberty game. Ah, if see. they can beat Liberty, they have a chance to make a bowl game and go 500 if they can beat their rival at home yeah. the last week of the season. I see. There's something to that. That's... I don't know. Maybe they have a little, I don't know, Virginia Tech feeling hot when four games in a row. I don't know, Patrick. Yeah. We're hearing it. We're hearing it more and more. That's very generous about the uh, the Old Dominion game as well. I'm not sure. I'm not They're so gonna sure They're going to beat Old that. Dominion. We'll, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about also, that front. Also, absolutely incredible. They're playing Old Dominion and Liberty on the road. That rocks. Dude, that's like the, the uh, you know, all of the, the hand-wringing about, oh, I can't believe that, that everybody – you know, missed on the on the the Fuente hire and expected it to be so good. Like I don't I don't know that Justin Fuente is the only issue. <laughs> Virginia Tech they're playing at Liberty this season. I don't know that he was yeah. the sole but, and, problem. But everyone there. calls Whit Babcock like one of the best ads in college football. Yeah, I, I think want, that makes sense. I wonder why that is. It's weird that everybody who uh, always has very early scoops about Virginia Tech is always talking about how this ad is really great. That's yeah, <laughs> that's uh, of course, of course. But <laughs> I don't know. Virginia Tech shouldn't be that hard to win at. It just seems like they don't have any smart coaches or athletic directors. Yeah, you'd think. Um, I'll, I'll note here for the Liberty preview as well. Um, do you know who is who is in the battle at quarterback with uh, with Caden Salter? Because it's a name that I, I think is it's going Charlie to Charlie Brewer. Yeah, it's Charlie Brewer from from Utah, originally of Baylor. Um, this fool has thrown for ten thousand one hundred and eighty four yards on his career, and he might lose the battle to a quarterback who was kicked out of Tennessee and has thrown two passes. Unbelievable. I mean, I think <laughs> in all likelihood, Salter will probably just fuck up the job and end up giving it to Brewer, right? Like Maybe. Charlie Brewer will be the steady veteran, but like Hugh Freeze hates a steady veteran. That yeah, that's not what he wants. Yeah, he hates. I I said as much in my in my my preview, right? Like he has really kind of gone away from the game manager. He has not had a whole lot of interest at all in the game manager, especially at, at Liberty. It seems like he kind of does anything that he can to get away from that kind of quarterback, and so. 
unless Salter is in trouble, I think that they're probably going to go with him because Freeze really likes a, a you know, big arm quarterback who doesn't know how to play football because the offense is so simple that you don't have to know how to play football. It is there. Look, there is. Let's one be frank. He, he's a messy bitch who loves drama. Yeah, he does love drama. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, there, that's what's going to happen. We were so we were going to talk here a little bit about what kind of job would take him right and, and the answer is Auburn but um I, I think Real that, Housewives yeah real he's gonna be housewives. on Real Housewives but next like, season instead I, of Coaching Liberty as I think about that right what is in vogue in the NFL right now it's very big quarterbacks it's quarterbacks with huge arms um and why not just if you're an NFL team and you want your own you know your very own Josh Allen why not just go hire Hugh Freeze he has a proven track record he's done it with Malik Willis bring him in yeah I think even Tennessee, right? Tennessee should just fire Mike Rabel, uh, maybe free him up to go back to his old college program or something like that, uh, theoretically, and and hire Hugh Freeze, bring him in to tutor your quarterback in the future. It's time, Tennessee. Yeah, you've you've maxed out with Mike Rabel. There's no need to have him around any longer. Let him free. You know, if you love him, let him free. Yeah, and well, you know, and there's another team that I, I you know, just recently drafted a quarterback, and and maybe their their coach has done all that he can do, and it's it's time to time to look elsewhere. You want somebody who can really mentor the the big armed quarterback of the future. I think that the Steelers have to give a look to Hugh Freeze. I think you have to consider and, and which him in. which big armed quarterback is that that's on the roster? Uh, that would be Kenny Pickett, famously big armed quarterback, great athlete, <laughs> guy who's just you know he's he's a. Uh, He's really a modern marvel. He's, you know, he, uh, chiseled from stone. He can throw the ball 150 uh-huh. yards in the air. I love I love the same song and dance we do every offseason for Browns fans and Bengals fans and get a little chesty and make jokes about the Steelers. And, oh, look at these idiots. Look who they drafted. Yeah. Another 10-7 and seven season to play appearance in coming. 100% There's a, the, no chance to it was the playoffs. With, with, the, with the Browns, you you have plenty of legs to stand on. I will I will give you that. The Browns were bad last year. The Bengals did go to the Super Bowl. I, <laughs> I think That's they, cool. They made yeah. the Super Bowl. They're not going back. Yeah, Joe Burrow yeah. is going to play like four more years well before they ruin his knees. Yeah, they, uh, they I will. love him. He's a great yeah. play. He's a great quarterback. That's not happening again. I think it'd be really funny if the Bengals also sell all of their players like the Reds did, and because I, I do like, <laughs> there are a few fan bases that react better to like horrible things happening than Cincinnati fans. It's very very funny when bad things happen to them. Not because <laughs> I don't like them, but because it's just it's really funny. Like it's it's them and Philly fans who just absolutely lose their minds. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it would be really funny if the the Bengals come, you know, three years from now, trade Jamar Chase because they don't want to pay a salary. Right. <laughs> we just we need a we need to get a third round pick for this guy so that we don't have to pay him the max. Yeah. Bengals fans are like marching out of their uh, new build 2018 apartment complex to go down to the sweet green to pick up some fuel so they can go protest out of the stadium. Yeah. Uh, it was like built by slaves or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be like, that's, what, that's what everyone is. It's to do. Yeah, was... They do that basically every weekend. Every time the Reds have a homestand, they're out there like protesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all they do. Yeah, they do. A, Cincinnati they, fucking sucks. I'm sorry. People trying to convince me it's like one of the best cities in Ohio. Oh, it's a great city. It is. Uh, I fucking hate Cincinnati. I don't like the city. I don't like the fans. <laughs> Their sports teams are fucking annoying. Uh, uh, UC Stadium is really cool. Yeah. I like the Bearcats. Yeah, UC Stadium. Ro- that rocks. Just built into the, uh, the middle of town. They're like people talk about now about how ugly college basketball is, like how many fouls and bad shooting there is. That is like founded by UC and Xavier. That's what yeah. all of their games have been for 40 years in a row. Yeah. That's all they do. Yeah. 
yeah we we do have to uh and and fuck that I, whole city sure, fucking bullshit yeah. ass city <laughs> it is certainly a city in ohio that much is i mean it's not it's it's sort of like being the best of yukon umass and new mexico state to be one of the best cities in ohio it doesn't take a whole lot <laughs> um but uh but yeah. here's the difference is people in columbus know they live in like a bullshit new built town that has no culture it's totally fake yeah people that like think they have history which is the funnier part yeah. nothing to that it's the same thing like yeah. it's just the same completely gentrified city the same way cleveland is boring ass fucking cities don't care about them uh columbus at least is like just embracing the fact like they're a knockoff little baby nashville yeah uh that has no culture these other places like are convinced they have something unique about them it's just a shitty accent yeah somebody at the brecky shack on sunday is going to send us a really mean <laughs> message about this uh they're they're going to be they're going to be furious about this um anyway liberty <laughs> probably going to be fine i uh I, <laughs> yeah I, okay uh hugh freeze could he go somewhere else i don't know yeah, uh who's to say would is auburn's gonna open up this year is like there anywhere else georgia tech yeah I don't Did think I don't really think Georgia f- Tech would. I think it's going to have to be an SEC school. I don't think anybody else really. Yeah. Wants it. I, I also I, I don't, don't know, think it would like, make sense anywhere else. Uh, anywhere in the southern like could mm, nowhere like the ACC would take him right. Would, would like, Florida State take him? No, he's not good enough for that job. Like, yeah. I don't think. No. Also, but, you don't like your whole thing is that just like oh we've had way too much instability for the last ten years. Let's hire Hugh Freeze. Yeah, let's hire this crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, boy, I, I uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know, like SEC jobs are, it's really weird right now because they're in a, a state of somewhat stability because they have just hired so many coaches in the last two years. And so it, it's hard to, it's hard to see any of those jobs opening, right? Because South Carolina isn't going to in the next couple of years. Um, right. LSU is just hired Tennessee, a coach. Yeah. Florida just hired Tennessee a coach. Tennessee has money tied up. Yeah. yeah. Tennessee just hired a coach. Arkansas just hired a coach. And also he's doing well. Um, Kentucky is content. Uh, you, you have, you know, like Mississippi State is is and and Auburn are really the only ones who it seems like, within the next couple years, could be mad enough to to go elsewhere. You know, like Texas A and M, same place. I guess Missouri might open, but that's not an SEC job. That's a that's a false SEC school, and they're not going to hire like an SEC school does. Um, well, well, yeah, look, but you know what? About speaking about Florida State, though, they need a coach with a championship pedigree who knows how to recruit, but it's like underachieving right now at his current school. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher could make yeah, a lot of yeah, sense. It's yeah, funny I, to get him. I, I don't know. I bring him Jimbo home. Fisher is is, uh, is interested in the job. Um, yeah, I, I well, you know, maybe Florida State goes out and gets Lane, and then Hugh Freeze comes home. It's it's time to bring him back. <laughs> okay. That okay. Would, oh my God, that would be so funny. Um, just just uh, really running up the score on anybody who thinks that anything matters at all. No, it doesn't matter. You yeah. Can do, you could do whatever you want. Well, who cares? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. No. Also, speaking of schools with low moral scruples who are disgusting to watch play football. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what do you expect from Army this season? Oh, disgusting is unfair. They're they're fun to watch. If if you it, it, the the option is fun to watch if you know what you're looking for. Um, they're gonna be good. They're they're good every year. They're uh, uh, what Jeff Munkin has done here is just insane. It, it's uh, I, I had I pulled some of the stats for the preview. I don't have them off the top of my head, but he he ended extremely long periods of either losing streaks straight up or or a lot of losing against both of Army's major rivals. Um, they've finished. They they've had double digit wins quite a bit recently. They've been extremely good. This is a program that was not good consistently since the fifties. Um, he is really the first outright good coach since you know uh, what's his name? I think Rod Blake uh, was was the coach who was there mm-hmm. and was was very good and won three national championships. He is the second best coach in program history behind the guy who won national championships. He is that good. Um, nine and four in twenty twenty one. 
I would expect they're going to be around there again. I think that that's about what we can expect from these guys at this point. They have to replace their quarterback, which is always a little bit scary when you're a service academy. Um, but they did play the backup plenty last year. Backup was Tyher Tyler. Uh, I would guess that he's going to be the starter. He's not quite the physical runner that Christian Anderson was. And Christian Anderson also, relative to Army, a pretty good passer. Um, and so I think that there might be a slight step back. But uh, Tyher's also... A whole lot faster and a lot harder to bring down because he's so small. He's like five foot eight, uh, and they they bring back a pretty good chunk of their their skill players around him, which is going to help a good deal. They have uh, Tyrell Robinson back, who is the lightning fast uh, slot back, very very good player, probably the best player on the team. Um, they also bring back Jacoby Buchanan, who was the best fullback on the team last season. Um, Isaiah Alston, who is absolutely going to break 500 receiving yards, which doesn't sound like a lot, but they have not had a guy who did that since 2009. He hit 449 last year. Um, he's the only player on the team who will catch any passes, which is fine. Uh, most of the offensive line returns. Defense has been consistently really good under uh, under Munkin's guidance, and I think that, that will be the same this year as well. Um, most of the defense returns. The only guy that I really want to mention as being specifically interesting or worth watching um are you familiar with andre carter the second at all um yes okay so he, no i'm lying i'm lying yeah, so, <laughs> so andre carter uh for those of you like ryan uh who don't know about him six foot seven 265 pound edge rusher who had 14 and a half sacks last season um, Let's go. He's gonna fuck up Iraq. Something serious. <laughs> this kid, this kid is a is a monster. He is extremely good. And last year, they they sort of they looked around at the defense and decided that the rest of the 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 run defense group, the you know the tackles, the linebackers, whatever it might be, were good enough that they could essentially just tell this kid to pass rush on every single down. He he pretty much never stayed home to try and defend against the run. He didn't do anything except for bull rush the quarterback, and it worked. He was the only player on the team who did any sort of productive pass rushing at all. It's going to be the same thing this year. Um, they lose their best uh, their best run defender in Nolan Cockrell at, at defensive tackle, but they bring back every other tackle. Um, they have some production to, place, to replace at linebacker, but I'm not super worried about it. And then the cornerback room should be pretty good. They bring back both starters. Um, most of their safety room is back. It's I think the defense is going to take a step forward and, and should make up for even a slight decline on the offense as it breaks in a new new quarterback. Um, I think they're going to be really good. I, I, it's, you know, that we can say consistently going into a season that Army is probably going to win nine games, given where it was, is ridiculous. It, it, this was a, a downright awful program for years and years and years, and now they're, you know, looking at a situation where they're going to be easily favored against both Air Force and Navy um, and, and should be realistically able to contend for, like I said, eight or nine wins. Um, Coastal Carolina, UTSA, Wake Forest, um, all on You this. would also be, uh, really quick, you would also be like the first coach to have a winning record against Navy since like the early 90s, I think. Yeah, yeah, I believe he's... He's he's yeah he's he's five hundred right yeah, now yeah yeah it has been quite some time since someone has has successfully beaten Navy consistently um he's I, I think four and two in the last six years and it it's uh 
it's it's trending in that direction. Navy, I I don't really know what's going on with Navy. I feel bad for Kenny Montalolo because I don't think this is his fault that they have collapsed. I think it's just sort of the nature of of these programs. But um, mm. yeah, they get Coastal Carolina on the road to open the season. UTSA at home, Georgia State at home, and at Wake Forest are sort of the four big ones, and then the rivalry games. But everything else on the schedule should be a pretty easy win, and I think that they could absolutely win. You know, two of those games anyway. Um, yeah. They're good. They're... Really quick, by the way, make sure you tell our social media intern, Bill Landis, to put in the description of this episode that uh, Patrick feels bad for the U.S. Navy. I just want yeah. you to make sure we get that captured. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, get that in the description. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, you just, you never hear about the Navy anymore. We need to, we need to bring back our, it's the beautiful boaters. And, you know, more and more these days, we're hearing that we're not supporting the beautiful boaters enough. And we need to actually funnel more money into the boaters specifically. We need a $40 billion aid package for Navy football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's the only way that we can get them to competing in the, uh, the AAC. I mean, fuck, that's what, <laughs> that's what's gone wrong. They joined the AAC. You can't do that. That's, yeah, there's your issue right there. You joined a conference as a service academy and you're not Air Force. Why'd you do that? That's a dumb thing to do. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're going to be good. I, I don't have a whole lot else to say about Army. They are, the, <laughs> that they are this consistent is, is extremely impressive. Um, and there's just not a whole lot more to say about them. BYU, however, I have, Ryan, I have so much to say about BYU. We were talking a little bit about BYU before we started recording. Um, this team went 10-3 and last season. People m- might remember last year the, the talk in the offseason was about sort of a rebuild because they lost Zach Wilson, they lost uh, almost all of their team. I think they returned like 28% of their production last season. They still go 10-3, and and that, of course, sets up one of the most egregious returning production spreadsheets I have made in my entire uh, off-season of doing these previews. They return, like, 42 members of the 44-man too deep. Almost every single starter is back from last year's team. Tyler Algier, the running back, and Neil Pau, the, uh, the wide receiver, are, like, the only starters on the team who are leaving. That's, I mean, that is literally, I'm looking through, that's it. Those are the only two guys on the team who started last year who won't be back this year. It's unbelievable. I mean, does the state of Utah have like three of like the 20 best coaches for player development in the country at this point? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think pretty comfortably. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, man, like they need to keep Kalani Sataki forever. Like, whatever, which I think they're trying to do, it seems like it might happen, but whatever it takes to pay him. Until, like, he gets the David Shaw treatment, people in the NFL realize it's interesting, and then he, mm-hmm. I don't know, will probably fuck it up and not go. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, uh, Kalani Sataki just stay there forever. He yeah. is fucking great for this program. Yeah, this is, uh, it is, like, I, I, I said in the preview, what he has done right now, they have hit a ceiling that Bronco Mendenhall never found, and he was there for a long time. You know, he, he had he had double-digit win seasons, but the the potential for this team is unlike anything we saw in his in his tenure and he, it was a good tenure he had he was a good coach at BYU but what what Satake has going right now is really impressive as they you know begin the transition into the Big 12 i think that they are extremely well suited to handle that transition and to to take it in stride um this team is well, i is, guess uh, really quick Hall did have three consecutive double digit wins or, sorry four consecutive double digit win seasons and ranked finishes yeah i don't think that any of those teams were were as good on paper as this one is obviously you have to actually go do it um being good on paper does not matter a whole lot but 
Um, I don't. I don't think that any of those teams had the same kind of realistic aspirations which th- that this one does. Which is, uh, and we were talking about this before the show as well. This schedule sets up. It's a very hard schedule, but it, it sets up in a way that if BYU can win all of its games, and I, I don't think that that's impossible with this roster and what they have coming back, it will go to the playoff. It might be like the number two team in the country. This schedule is unbelievable. It's extremely... But extremely you want to run through it really quick? Yeah, so they get at USF to open the season, Baylor at home, at Oregon, Wyoming at home, Utah State at home, uh, Notre Dame and Las Vegas, Arkansas at home, at Liberty, ECU at home, uh, at Boise State, off week, Dixie State at home, and then at Stanford to end the season. The They're late... really getting geared up for that Stanford game. Yeah. Uh, by week into the FCS game, get yeah. ready for that Stanford road game. They are nervous about that huge Stanford crowd. Yeah, they're going to go and kill David Shaw. They're going to, <laughs> try to gear up so that they can murder David Shaw on television. <laughs> I don't know what they have uh, against uh, David Shaw. And also, I know we talked about it like five times in the show already, but the Notre Dame-BYU neutral site game in Las Vegas is the funniest scheduling of all time <laughs> yeah, yeah. every member of of uh, of both fan base is absolutely miserable the entire time that they're there this is this is Just the worst city on earth a, a, an absolutely record terrible revenue weekend for the city of las vegas uh, <laughs> no money made everybody's sleeping in their cars they don't want to give business to the hotel. that hotel has a casino attached to it i can't stay there <laughs> the uh the Taco Bell on on the strip is going to do numbers this yeah. weekend. I'll tell you yeah, that. Going, yeah, the the mild sauce is getting a serious hitting. <laughs> going to have to keep it constantly stopped. Here's the thing: like this is a really really tough schedule, and they're going to play probably four to five teams to finish the season ranked, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and they're also, I think the part that's more interesting that I, I think like guys like you and me are, are going to be big on, but like, will the national media notice? The answer is no. Is like, they're also going to play two or three of the 10 best uh, G5 teams in the country too. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a really tough schedule. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. Utah State at home is, is certainly winnable, but it's on a Thursday night and Utah State won the Mountain West last year. We talked about just a minute ago, how, well, how good their development is. Um, Liberty, we just talked about, they have to go to on the road. Uh, and then Boise State is Boise State. ECU also probably going to be pretty good this year. Like it's a yeah. That really the only games on this schedule that are downright easy or or cakewalk adjacent. USF, um, Wyoming has lost so many players, and so I I, I would imagine Wyoming is going to be pretty down. Dixie State yeah. and then Stanford. But like the rest of this schedule is really good. <laughs> it's really really good. Would Stanford? Uh, how many points would Stanford lose to Utah State by? A lot, quite a few, <laughs> a couple <laughs> scores at least. Uh, also, I, I whatever the whatever the line is for the betting public for uh, BYU Wyoming, I will be taking BYU because they are going to be incentivized to beat the shit out of them the first half and get some rest going into Utah State. Yeah, uh, that run they have of Utah State, Notre Dame, Arkansas at Liberty, uh, uh, <laughs> four games in a row, especially coming off a short week uh, going to Utah State. They are going to need to get some momentum going. They are going to beat Wyoming by 40 points in the first half. Yeah, earnestly, if if you can find me a better, or I, I guess a harder uh, seven-game slate in, consecutively than Baylor at home at Oregon, uh, the brief break of Wyoming at home, Utah State at home on a Thursday night, a, 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 a short week, and then uh, Notre Dame neutral site, Arkansas at home at Liberty. That's insane. That is an insane. Yeah, I'm stat. sure. Like, I'm sure Auburn schedule is fucking brutal, but yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, it's and they tough get and then they, after the Liberty game on the road, they get ECU on a short week. They play them on Friday night. That is just awful. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, if they if they manage to go undefeated, they're going to go to the playoff. They would be not just going to the playoff; they would be a extremely good team. Like that, this would this would have to be a very very good BYU team to pull that off. And I don't think it's impossible. They they bring in Christopher Brooks to take over for uh, Tyler Algier at running back. He's a Cal transfer. He was pretty good last year. Um, they bring back uh, pretty much every member of the receiving room outside of that top guy, Jaron Hall, back at quarterback. He was very good last year, and I think will be a lot better as he goes into his second season as a starter. Um, Isaac Rex is back at tight end. The entire offensive line is back, which is insane because it was maybe the best pass, pass blocking group in the country last year. Every single starter is back. They lose one guy who was even a rotational player. Um, and they also added, uh, I, I don't know how to say this kid's name, Kingsley Suamatia, uh, who's a transfer. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, good. Transfer yeah. from Oregon, former borderline five-star. Um, yeah, just add him right in. Who cares? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Um, also, I, I was searching really quick. Just I, I want to interrupt for the quick seven-game seven schedule competition. Yeah. Uh, here's Auburn's because I did think it was going to be terrible. Yeah. They get Penn State, Missouri, LSU, Georgia, Georgia on the road, Ole Miss on the road, Arkansas, Mississippi State on the Jesus. road. Seven games in a row, no bye weeks. Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> man. Will, will they win any of those? Maybe Missouri? Oh, man. Yeah, maybe Missouri, maybe Mississippi State. It's going to be a tough tough couple of weeks for brian harson i mean i guess i maybe maybe if we're you know we were we were flabbergasted that they didn't fire him now that i look at that maybe maybe yeah they were just teeing up yeah that's actually fair yeah Yeah. we don't want to toss our new coach to the wolves we're gonna get this this fucker you know just ruined and then we'll bring in somebody (laughs) new um yeah the the really the only weakness on this team that i can see is that they didn't have a whole lot of a pass rush last season defense couldn't really get off the field consistently because of it but their top three defensive ends return um every single defensive tackle who contributed last year is back um top three linebackers and then also the number five guy uh they they just and then the entire secondary room so the the pass coverage should be good and they also bring in a, a starting outside cornerback who is from from vanderbilt in uh gabe judy lolly they just they're they're just good everywhere. They're extremely good everywhere. They have really good top end talent. Um, this is a playoff contender. Absolutely, this is a playoff contender. It, it's they're gonna have to get past that schedule, and it's it's easier said than done. But if Jaron Hall is as good as I think he can be, and and is as good as he at times was last season, um, especially as they open up the offense a little bit more, this is a a very very real contender. And those games against Baylor, you know, Oregon. Notre Dame, Utah State, Arkansas, Liberty, Boise State, those are all going to be extremely good football games. I think that it, this is going to be a uh, an, an appointment television uh, team this season. I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can do. Yeah. Also, did you realize that Tyler Algier was born in Youngstown before he uh, moved to California for high school? No, I did not. We... Alternate reality where he is like Society Bearcats running back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he served his, he served his purpose. I don't know where he would have, where he would have fit on that Cincinnati team last year, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe the... he plays for Pitt or something instead. Yeah, anyway, not the point, or, I guess. Or, but or Kentucky, uh, I guess, which is the, uh, the definitely a guy. Yeah, down. fair enough. Definitely yeah. a guy that just clearly must have hated being at BYU because he had two years of eligibility left and went to go get drafted in the fifth round. Yeah. Uh, 
just did not want to be there anymore. Listen, Youngstown guy in 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 Provo is not necessarily the cultural <laughs> fit that you might hope for. <laughs> no, no. Uh. Um, all right. Speaking of uh, of potential playoff contenders, allegedly, uh, we'll see. Uh, hmm. Last one here to talk about, and this is this is one that you know a little bit more about than I do because I frankly don't really care all that much about their whole thing but uh notre dame yeah yeah no, notre dame new... we're, we're really teed up for the audience too make sure they're yeah. pumped going to this one I, I mean i don't think that people i i don't think that me not no, caring about it yeah I, I i think people know my whole my whole thing um but like i seriously man i don't i don't care <laughs> i don't care about notre dame they're they're gonna do the same thing that they always do right this is what they do do you think notre dame is better than byu no no. Okay. I mean, who's their we, – we talked about this before the show, and we didn't have an answer. Who is their quarterback? It's going to be Tyler Bookner, it looks like, but he did suffer apparently a medical step back because he fell down the stairs <laughs> in the facility, uh, which on. is really funny. Uh, oh, my God. Also, uh, you have to wonder if uh, if backup Drew Pine, who is like five foot four, yeah, uh, was somehow involved in pushing or tripping him down the stairs. Yeah, Marcus you Freeman. You have to be asking those questions. Marcus Freeman tweeting out that he was playing outdoor summer hoops, and it was very hot, and so he can't blame Tyler Bookner for collapsing and falling <laughs> into a bucket down the stairs. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I don't know, man. Um, I'm I'm interested, I guess, in, in kind of Notre Dame this season. I think they have like it's like the Marcus Freeman tale is interesting to me to see what happens with them. Yeah. Um, do I think they'll actually be that good? No, probably not. I think the answer is probably no. Uh Booker was decent last season. I mean, I think he completed what 60% of his passes. Yeah. He threw three interceptions in the games that he played, which is not great. Three interceptions on 35 attempts is not a number you want to see. <laughs> Come on. Um <laughs> people are talking about this team. But they are like gonna a have a really, five. really good offensive line. I think they have yeah. two NFL guys at tackle for sure. And the interiors all we saw in Notre Dame. Um they uh they have Blake Fisher is the is the one is the tackle. And the other one is um Oh shit! Uh, the other guy, uh, yeah. <laughs> whose name I'm forgetting. I perpetually another tackle who I like a lot. Perpetually, I just assume that it's the two Cincinnati guys from the class of 2016 playing playing on the line for this That's team. Because I, I, yeah, I'm or our stu- friend Rob. Yeah, yeah or, or Rob. I'm I'm stuck <laughs> permanently in a in a thinking that like Tommy Kramer or Tommy Eichenberg and uh, the other guy Kramer are are uh, are starting there. Jesus dog Kramer are starting on the Notre Dame offensive uh-huh. line. <laughs> it's uh they have two true sophomores starting to tackle in uh, Blake Fisher and joe alt okay uh, which yeah. is definitely a, a fake name joe alt was a freshman all-american last year yeah um fisher was already ahead of him before he went down with an injury last season uh they have uh rocco spindler he may recall from being oh, yeah. recruited by like the big three of notre dame ohio state and michigan yeah uh and also michigan state was in the mix um, uh, rocco was... Who, I, I remember only because i talked to i won't name him but i talked to a recruiting analyst about him uh, when he was being recruited, and the the recruiting analyst, this was as blunt as I have ever heard a recruiting analyst about a kid. He was just like, "Yeah, this kid's an asshole. This kid is horrible to deal with." I love that. Yeah, the, there. Uh, I will say the ratio of like kids who are like kids who are assholes in the recruiting process that I've encountered. Kids who are assholes in the media, at least, are always either incredibly good or terrible. They are yeah. never just like okay players. They're yeah. always either fucking like all Americans or total loser burnouts. Yeah. I, um, I had there's a... A, there's a certain oh man there was a kid I when I was covering the pit beat for a little bit like one year that I did that yeah who was a local kid who was convinced he was like the fucking second coming of, of Ed Reed as safety yeah I'm not gonna say his name because he's sure. a high school kid at the time I don't want to sure crash him too much but 
this kid I, I just cover the local kids because it's kind of what you do right it's how you get favor another local kid cover their teammates just yeah. it's the process sure. right? it's the insider game recruiting this fucking kid ended up at uh, max school and sucked the whole fucking time <laughs> But like after like every interview I was doing was the fucking biggest inconvenience in the world to talk. Yeah. Uh, absolute fucking loser. I'm glad he's doing terrible. Yeah. Uh, he's like never going to play for that team. Bum. I, anyway. had, I had a guy when I was writing about Big 12 recruiting. So this is years and years ago. He was a, he was a Juco kid and he had been getting some buzz. And I, I, I reached out to him to talk to him about if any Big 12 schools were recruiting him. And I asked him, are any Big 12 schools recruiting you? And he says, yeah, you know, a bunch like Vanderbilt and Kentucky and his <laughs> Like, that's not the Big Twelve. <laughs> that's not the Big Twelve, man. This is so not helpful at all for what I'm doing. So yeah, you know, ten- well, Tennessee's been in the I'll, mix. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I'll leave it at this. He's at Juco for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, so Notre Dame, of, speaking um, of, uh, of guys who do a yeah. lot of interviews and think that they're really, really good. I don't know. Like. I... I am not very convinced by Tyler Buckner as a player. I'm not sure Drew Pine is that much better. I think Drew Pine is probably worse, in fact. Yeah. Um, there is some buzz around their freshman quarterback, Steve Angeli, mm-hmm. or Angeli. I don't know how that you pronounce that. Titans is, is not a real race. That's, um, that's an and, absurd name for 2022. For a 2022 signee, that is, that's, come on. You can't be named that in 2020. That's a 1980s <laughs> Patriots quarterback. Well, come on. If you look at it, all the four quarterbacks on their roster this year and last year, Jack Cohn, Tyler Booker, Drew Pine, and Steve Angeli, <laughs> those guys are all like mid-level account executives at yeah. like some insurance company. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've got to start looking uh, into the time machine that Notre Dame has recruiting quarterbacks from. <laughs> well, anyway, they uh, I don't know. Angeli did uh, win the spring game on a game-winning drive, uh, including like a, a, la- a walk-off touchdown, was leaping to the end zone pylon, which is pretty exciting. Sure, uh, he's interesting. He's talented. I think, think like you could see him pass up Pine. I think pretty quickly if Booker gets hurt or something again. I don't know. Uh, I'm not really that interested in their quarterbacks. I think they're all kind of average, but the talent around them is fun. They have a pretty good running back group. Uh, Chris Tyree is their incumbent starter, but they have uh, uh, Logan Diggs and Audric uh, Esteem or Esteme. I don't know how you pronounce that. They're kind of pushing him. Uh, Diggs is just kind of like the same guy as Tyree. It's a little bit worse and younger. Uh, I don't think he's very interesting, and I think his buzz is kind of undue. But uh, Esteme only got touches against Georgia Tech last year, but looked really good when he did. He was also a special teams player, but he was averaging, I think, like nine yards of carry in that game. Um, just kind of interesting. It yeah. was not a lot of touches, very small sample size, but a player just looks quick. Yeah. Uh, and like six one two fifteen too. It's, so it's kind of a guy I'm keep my eye out on. It's going to be hard um, as a running back to struggle behind this line too. Like I, I don't, I don't love Chris Tyree, but I think he's probably still going to go nuts just because of this line. Yeah, I mean his, you know what? He's just a career like four yards a carry plugger. Like Chris yeah. Tyree just does the same thing every carry. But I, I think like or at least last year, average four yards a game. I don't know what his career is, but. um yeah, it's a great old line, right? It's that's what they do. Like, and also, especially if they don't really trust their quarterbacks because they're going to throw, you know, uh, one interception every ten attempts, they're going to yeah. run the football a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like sure. a lot. Uh, and I'm I'm curious. I think their line was better in 2020 than it was in 2021. So I think rushing production should be up this year. Yeah. Um, Kyron Williams did a lot on his own last season, and I think he's, I think he's a really underrated player. I thought it was a very good one. Honestly, I'm a big Kyron Williams guy. Yeah. Um, but regardless. Receiver room is kind of interesting. Kevin Austin's gone. Lorenzo Styles is the number one guy here. Um, they do have uh, Braden Lindsey and a couple other guys back. Uh, I believe Dion Colsey is back, expected to be a contributor. Um, Michael Mayer is back at tight end, yeah. who I know you were a hater of, I believe, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, 
he did have 71 catches for 840 yards last year. Yeah. He, I don't think he's like the second coming of Travis Kelsey or anything, but is like certainly one of the most productive tight ends in the country and should be a major target forever as a quarterback. Sure. Um, I don't yeah, know. It, your thoughts? Why, it, why do you hate Michael Mayer? It seemed like every time I watched Michael Mayer, he was either dropping a, an absolutely critical pass or falling down an open field. Like I, it's, it's, <laughs> it, he, he gained all these yards and he picked up all these receptions, but he never did it in like the three important games that they played. It seemed like in those games, he just dropped the ball. That's cool to do. I think I'm almost every tight end is like that. Yeah, uh, that is yeah. Classic modern tight end guy is is just absolutely disappearing in the three important games that your team plays per season. Yeah, if someone's describing you in recruiting as a modern tight end who's more receiver than like a lineman, uh, they mean you suck. It's what, yeah. what they're saying is like you might be highly ranked because you're fast, <laughs> whatever, being big, but they mean you're a pussy who's not going to yeah. be good at, at football. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna... I'm thinking of one certain Ohio State player in particular. Uh-huh. Here, but... Yeah, I was, I was going to say, yeah, you're going to make one really cool one-handed catch per season and get everyone really excited about you going into next year, and then you're going to have 14 receptions. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um. I am intrigued by uh, Notre Dame's defense this season. They have Isaiah Foskey back. Mm-hmm. They brought in um, the transfer from Brandon uh, Joseph, Northwestern. Brandon Joseph was yep. really, really good. Um, mm, I'll say I'm going to say I, he was really good in 2020. Um, 2021. I don't know if it was, was not his, good last year. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that it was his fault, but I uh, I watched some Northwestern last year, and <laughs> as I was doing it, I didn't real I didn't know what number he was, and I sent a message to uh, to friend of the show Ben Gore, and I, I asked him. I said, uh, "Who is who is?" Uh, I think it was 14. I was like, "This dude stinks," and he's like, "Oh, that's the best player on the defense." Oh no. That's not good. That's funny. That's not how Yeah, you definitely not a good year for him. No. I, you don't want to see that. Um, but I was reading, uh, I don't know, Pete Sampson's breakdown of the risers of the team. It seems like they have some uh, some good young guys coming in at defensive back they're pretty excited about, even if Joseph is not going to be an All-American knockout yeah, I mean, guy. He might be. He's um, like, he was good in 2020. It, it, he might return to that form. But um, it is certainly – it's not the slam dunk that people seem to think it is. No, it's not. You don't want to have uh, you don't want to have that kind of that that, uh, that coming in. But I don't know. Um, they do have a, a Jaden Mickey, who's a true freshman. They're really excited about, is my understanding. Yeah. Uh, also, I believe a freshman is Shadarian Price, who is coming in uh, to kind of um, uh, compete in the backfield, kind of like a satellite back. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Uh, Jaden Thomas, the freshman receiver they have coming in. They're pretty excited by him. Mm-hmm. Um, their recruiting in general is kind of up under Freeman, which is kind of interesting to look at. I, I'm just they're, they're, like the arc of the program seems to be like their whole pitch is like, we're not the old Notre Dame. We're at least going to like swing hard and like see what happens. Like, right. We're not going to just try to be a program that recruits regionally the line and like get some California private school guys and kind of sees what happens from there. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be swinging heavy for like a lot of major national talent. They're not winning a lot of those battles right now, but they are going for them. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were doing a lot hotter recruiting earlier than later. Um, but it seems like they're recruiting a level. that's like, I think slightly better than Brian Kelly, uh, maybe comparable to like a slightly better version of the, the good James Franklin recruiting classes yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't know. It's an improvement, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's something. I mean, it's better than not doing that, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's whole thing has been like they've they've had guys like a couple skill position guys. They just couldn't put it together on offense, and they've had like a couple good defenders, usually at like inconsequential positions that don't just the, the offense. But yeah. uh, it seems like with Foskey and they have they have five star commit and Keon Kelly. They have uh, Riley Mills defensive end. They're trying to get after the passer a lot more. This this Freeman scheme and. Uh, it's either that they have some guys that might have the tools to do that. If they do, it becomes interesting, right? Because if you can disrupt the other team's passing, it's yeah, 
Notre Dame becomes a lot more interesting when they're not just getting run over. Yeah. Um, as for the actual schedule, it's uh, largely not especially interesting. There's there's a lot of games on here that I don't really have a whole lot of uh, just I don't really care about. Um, Ohio State obviously at the beginning of the season is the big one. That's the you know the biggest game on the schedule. One of the bigger games yeah. of the season. Um, I don't also I don't... a game where Notre Dame kind of has like I don't want to say they're playing with house money, but like I don't think their fans are expecting to win that game right like no. they've they gotten beaten so often in these big games they kind of expect to lose them yeah and it's it is like that's a i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty bad time to start your your tenure as a head coach right like that's a bad yeah that's a bad especially in the highest team this experience yeah like and, it's and, not yeah that's like oh you, you're gonna go play uh your first game as the head coach at your alma mater which also happens to be like the number one team in the country coming into the season um, and also like a regional recruiting rival you're like 10 head-to-head battles with yeah of uh, course if and Ohio, oh by yeah. the way they probably never one overall pick quarterback on the roster but yeah. at the same time Ohio State fucking manages to blow every single one of these big non-con games. September they're supposed to win, so who knows what could happen? Yeah, if if Ohio State loses this game, like it is how I think it is largely house money for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame could still make the playoff or compete for it, even if the loss here. But um, if Ohio State loses this game, it will be utter chaos. It, it will be completely Ryan Day will be instantly put into the lurch and 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 sent out on the uh, you know to walk the plank, right? Like this would be a complete I, disaster for Ohio State. I, I would like to speak as as the president and leader of the insane Ohio State Fan Association. Yeah. I have mostly called the dogs off on writing this offseason. I've given them room to fix what I was bitching about. Yeah. And not that I have, I guess, that much influence. I'm probably overstating my power here, but, sure. well, you know. <laughs> you are powerful uh, enough to make Brian Hartline really mad online. So we've got that. Which is funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I can do that all day, really. I'm getting people mad at me online is one of my talents in life. Um, but look, Day hired Jim Knowles. He seems to be kind of getting the NIL recruiting on the right track. He has banned Kurt Barton from the program. Uh, He has, uh, he's done some things that are exciting, if not fix structural issues, right? Like, I don't think he still understands why it's good to have five defensive assistants. Why having, uh, you know, an idiot coaching your special teams who doesn't (laughs) need to have that job at all is is bad. Like, I don't think it's that part. There's obviously the the strength and conditioning stuff too, which we have, we have talked about. Strength and conditioning stuff is bad, but he seems to be, they're working really hard. They're doing like the sun. The, the, who was it? Uh, one of the friends of the shows. I forget. Some one of our one of our buddies, maybe Mac Jester, I think it was, tweeted the the video of the Suns from right before the playoffs, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Where they took like a fifteen second video of like DeAndre Ayton doing two pull ups and uh, Devin Booker like rolling around on a Bosu ball. Yeah. And then uh, with Devin Devin Booker then looks and turns to the camera and goes, "Winners work!" and claps. <laughs> <laughs> appeared to be burning four calories each practice going that workout after the game. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of Ohio State SNC's whole thing. It's just like and also unfortunately Oklahoma's it's just yeah. like we're gonna work hard and uh, this this workout's gonna make you puke. Will yeah. it make you better in football or stronger or faster? No, no promises, but it's gonna be tough, which yeah. is the worst kind of workout you can possibly do. Yeah. I digress. Uh look, if Ryan Day loses this game. All bets are off. The dog, <laughs> the dog will not just be called back on. The hounds will be baying. I will be uh, fucking Ramsey Bolt from Game of Thrones chasing him down in the woods. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Ryan Day will be locked in a dungeon somewhere in Greater Zanesville. Yeah, uh, this guy, if he if he becomes the first Ohio State coach to lose Notre Dame in like eighty years after being, which I think is I think maybe ninety years, something like that. Something it's been a long, like long it's time. Been a while, yeah. Uh, after being the first Ohio State coach to lose to Michigan in a consequential game in like 20 yeah. years, uh, 
this motherfucker is going to be on the run. He is yeah. going to be running out of this job at, at, this season. At that point, we're he saying, does not. At that point, we're saying that John Cooper has beaten the Ryan Day, the Ryan Day allegations. It's not going to be the other way around. <laughs> John Cooper beat Notre Dame. He beat Notre Dame twice. Uh, well, yeah, it's true. It's true. He did do that. <laughs> and I will say this: uh, if people thought like the Machiavellia move of like firing Jim Trestle because Urban Meyer was around, mm-hmm. like they're going to be calling Mike Rabel during the season and getting his promise once to come back and coach or not. Yeah. I, I'd like to think they'd get Luke Fickle, but I don't. Th- I think like they're. We're going to go for the jugular with Mike Rabel. And if Mike Rabel says yes, Ryan Day will lose his job in the year, no matter what else happens. God. He cannot lose his fucking game. He's a bum. Yeah. The seat, it, if he loses this game, the seat should be hot. Anyway, and, re, re, yeah. Rest- our very cocked media members who are terrified to acknowledge like uh, anything about about the program until like it's inevitable. Yeah. It's too late. These guys are just want to be buddies with the coaches and uh, are fucking nerds for the most part. Will be terrified to say anything like this, but Ryan Day uh, should feel a ton of pressure if he loses this game. Yeah, I don't think he's going to. I would expect Ohio State wins, but also um, I thought they were going to beat Oregon last year, so who knows? Um, the rest of the schedule. Yeah, I like I think, to think of the negative though. Yeah, sorry, I just want to. It's typical. I went in twenty minute Ohio State random. Yeah, no, you're, you're fine. But uh, yeah, the the rest of the schedule is largely uninteresting. Um, Marshall <laughs> Marshall at home is okay, I guess. Um, California uh, at North Carolina, who cares? Uh, kind of three of the same team there. Um, and then they get a bye week going into the BYU game. I think they're probably going to lose that game. If they don't, then they're probably back in the playoff conversation, even with a loss to Ohio State. Uh, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, Clemson, Jesus Christ, Navy, Boston College, USC. That's horrible. That is really bad. Basically, the, like most teams, they have a four-game schedule. Yeah. Right? And that's part for them is it's spaced out. They have Ohio State to start the season. BYU at kind of the turn of October, uh, Clemson at the turn of November, and USC at rivalry week. Yeah. If they win uh, three of those four games in the playoff. Yeah. Man, this sucks. <laughs> this schedule sucks so bad. Like, I think that this is about the schedule that suits them because I don't think that they're going to be amazing this year. I just, I don't really believe in this roster in the in that way. But, um, boy, that's really boring. Really, really boring shit that they've got going on out there. Uh, I will say if they lose to Ohio State and BYU, which I I tend I don't know that BYU game is so tricky. Yeah. I, that's hard. That's going to be a pivotal game for their season. If they lose to BYU and Ohio State, that Clemson game is going to become a real gut check for both teams, like where their programs are headed. Yeah, like that big game becomes very important because Clemson's not going to be a playoff team this year. They're yeah. just a fucking has been program. But the question is, can Notre Dame stay ahead of them as a program? Yeah, and if they do, sure. Marcus Freeman's in a pretty good spot. That yeah. means he has you know roughly a top six program of college football which is where their name has been at but it gives them room to improve you know yeah well and, and clemson just just as a quick aside going into that game has georgia tech Furman, louisiana tech at wake forest so three and one at that point because they're going to lose to wake forest um nc yes, state correct. nc state at home so three and two uh at boston college at florida state versus syracuse so probably six and two going into the notre dame game um and then by week, Notre Dame, uh, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina at home to end of the season. So, what, probably nine and three again for Clemson? They, I, I could see them, they'll pull out one of NC State or Wake. They won't lose both of those. Yeah. Boy, if they do, though, very funny. Very funny to lose. Very funny they do. Very yeah, funny if they do. Extremely funny. The Dapo continues to be dug further down in this hole. Yeah. Um, but Notre Dame-Clemson could be a really fun game. I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by that. And not fun yeah. as it would be a good football game. I think it'll be hideously ugly. Yeah, it's but interesting. Story. Brian Brisi versus like the offensive line of Notre Dame could be fun. Yeah, we'll 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 uh, we'll we'll talk about that one come uh, come ACC preview as well. Um, 
I think that's all we've got for uh, for for the independents. Uh, they're they're interesting. They're always pretty interesting. And and the the four ones that were actually going to compete at the FBS level again this year are still pretty interesting in wildly different ways. Um, we will, as mentioned, be back next week with the quarterback tiers episode. Um, we will also be. I don't know where I'm going with that. You can follow us on Twitter at Field Flipping and also <laughs> at B1G. Underscore. We will also be, um, we'll be we'll be giving you our picks next week for the top crypto buys and sells. Yeah, um, we're starting Crypto Corner on the podcast, sponsored by uh, Crypto.com. Yeah, uh, they are really excited to have us as our their flagship podcast. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll be having LeBron on next week, too. Yeah, and we will be issuing a, uh, a a fatwa against whoever it is is responsible for what just happened to the Penguins. I don't know who it is, but we're going to figure it out, and we're going to issue Come on, do not bring it up to the podcast. Uh, I'm not talking about this the podcast. <laughs> we're going to do it next week. We're going to bring it back, and we're going we're gonna to let them know <laughs> that we will not just take that laying down. Um, but, yeah, show's at Field Flipping on Twitter. As we've mentioned before, if you have questions you want us to answer on the show, you can send them in by a DM or tweet. Um, if you like the show and you have friends who you think might like it, please do share the show. You can share it on Twitter as well. Uh, also give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. Uh, Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, we will, guess uh, what? If you have a friend who, if you have a friend who you think might be interested in the show, throw them in a group DM with you, me and that person. Yeah. I'll convince them. Yeah. Let's put them into the chamber, into the, uh, the, you know, hell in a cell. <laughs> um but uh yeah until then until we all get the hell in a cell and we issue a fatwa we will uh we will be back next week (laughs) see ya